start with Alex. All right, yeah, so uh, my name is Alex Hamilton. I uh, do Freedom Life groups, and I'm also a big part of outreach in our disaster relief team. We've been getting a lot of business as of recent. And a uh, good hot dog, as long as it's cooked right, really just doesn't really need anything, but just a mustard kind of guy for me, so. Um, my name is Ashley Casey. I serve in youth ministry. I serve on worship team, and then I also serve with the college team as well as life groups. Um, for hot dogs, I will not eat them a different way since my baseball coach in high school taught me, and it is relish, mustard, ketchup, cheese, and onions. And he would not let me eat it any different way, so that's what I stick with. <laughs> that's a lot. My name is Gracie, and I mainly serve on the creative team. Um, for a hot dog topping, I don't really like hot dogs, um, but <laughs> uh, ketchup, ketchup. Hello, my name is Matt Brashears. Uh, AJ, what's up, bro? Okay, um, I am. I serve in youth ministry and young adults. And for hot dogs, I I don't put anything on them. That's gross. That's gross. Um, hi, my name is Emmeline. Uh I also serve in youth. And uh, listen, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a brat girl, but I want I want some ketchup on that. Okay, okay, that's fair enough, that's fair enough. Um, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and open us up in prayer. So, guys, if that was part of your seven minutes, you're like, oh, I'll just pray for like three of it. I'm taking care of it here. You're just jumping in. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, Alex, I'll let you get started. So, God, we just, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you for, for this service, the messages that you've put on, on these, these five hearts, God. We thank you that, that though the, the service may look a little different, the messages may look a little different this morning, that, God, you're the same God. You're the same God that speaks through, through every other communicator we have, through every other message, God. And we thank you that, that you, you open our hearts, God, as those listening, God, that, that you, you, you speak to us what we need to hear from each of these five people this morning. God, we thank you that you use their words. God, you give them the confidence. You give them the words to speak your message this morning. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Sam. You're the, you're the bomb, bro. I love you. All right. Well, uh, obviously, you guys have heard my name about four times, but I'm going to say it again. My name is Alex, um, and I just wanted to start off just by saying, guys, I am beyond blessed to get to be up here and deliver the Word of God to all of you. You know, the Lord has put a, a pretty, pretty powerful word on my heart, and, uh, you know, it's not just a word that he gave me out here to preach to you all, but it was a word for me to live out, because we don't, we don't just read the word. We live out the word. Can I get amen on that? All right, so that, you know, our whole entire general premise of what we've all been, all the young guys have been preaching about is our hear, believe, and obey. And in my own kind of personal time, it's kind of been like, well, what does that practically look like? And the Lord just put one word on my heart, and that was intentionality. So whenever it comes to hearing, right, it's, it's pretty simple. The way that you're going to hear the word of God and you're going to hear from God is that you got to be intentional with God. Luke 9, 23, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So, you know, order you're reading scripture, and just sometimes those words will just kind of pop off the page at you, and you're like, that's it right there. What's that word? Daily. And it, it doesn't say in scripture that, hey, go ahead and take up your cross weekly, or take up your cross monthly. Go ahead and take up your cross just whenever you feel like it. it says daily for a reason. 
And part of that is because God loves you and he wants to talk to you because, you know, God kind of loves you a lot. So you're, you're sitting here and, and everybody's sitting, you know, you hear people say like, I, I can't hear from God. I don't, you know, he doesn't say anything to me. But you left him on red two weeks ago. Um, how exactly are you supposed to hear him whenever you're not responding to him? You gotta be intentional and spend that time with him in order to hear from him, which then that's gonna just take you directly into believing. Now, in order to believe where God's called you to be, in order to believe what God wants for you, you gotta have the right people around you. You gotta have right there that Proverbs 27, 17, that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So I don't know about many of you, but I have worked in a shop environment where I've heard the sound of metal scraping against metal. It is the most uncomfortable, like nails on a chalkboard type of sound you will ever hear. It's awful. And a lot of us wanna sit here and we wanna claim like, oh yeah, I have an iron sharpens iron relationship, but you've never had an uncomfortable conversation. You don't hear anything that's like, uh, I don't really wanna hear that, man. That, that, that's not what I wanna hear. But if you don't have friends who are gonna tell you that, you're not gonna be able to fully believe what God's called you into. Now look, I promise it's not all negative, okay? Because on the same front, you gotta have those people that whenever you're, you're not believing in yourself, you're not believing what God's called you to do, you gotta have those people who are gonna pick you up and they're gonna take you up to where you need to be. It's, it's gotta be that fine line between, hey, you're, you, you ain't doing this right, and brother, you gotta believe in yourself. And uh, I, I have a pretty perfect example of that, and that's uh, Miss Katie Ortega. I don't think she's in here right now, but if any of you know Katie, you know that she is uh, not afraid to call you out and tell you whenever you ain't doing stuff right. I'll tell you, there's many, many a times in my life whenever I sat there and be like, oh yeah, Katie, I think I'm gonna do this. And she just stops, she looks at me, and she's like, are you stupid? No. And then you know, there's also plenty of other times she's been like, yeah, stupid. That's what you should have been doing this entire time. What are you doing? And so, I mean, it's, it's right there, guys. We got to have those people around us that are not only keeping us where we need to be, but they're lifting us up higher than we would ever get without them. That's right. All righty. So, guys, rolling in that third point on there, you know, we got hearing and believing, but you can do both of those things. But if you're not obeying, then what, what's the point of all of it to begin with? And right there, I mean, it's entirely counterintuitive. And that is the fact that you want to be able to obey with your fullest potential, you've got to be rested. And you're sitting here, you're like, yeah, I don't need to rest. I'm on that grind, bro. Yeah, Jesus rested. You don't have an excuse, all right? Right here, Mark 6, 31. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I have a pretty strong feeling that the majority of the people in this room haven't stopped to eat and rest a while. And so a lot of you out here are spiritually starving. And you're sitting here and you're wondering, you're like, I've, I've heard this word from God and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm believing in it, but I'm just so tired and I just, I don't think I can do this right. That's because you're not rested. You're not ready to step into what God's called you to do because you haven't taken a day off in like three years. I mean, everybody needs a good vacation every once in a while. And so, I mean, this just, it's so beyond important to recover and get ready for what God's going to call you into next because we're all supposed to be used by God. I mean, we're not supposed to just sit and just do 
nothing. It's, all right, sitting here for a month, waiting it out, all right. Now God's calling me to do something. I'm rested, I'm prepared. Let's go get it. And so whenever I tell you all this, it's, it's not like I'm just sitting here thinking, oh yeah, this is what you should do. I mean, this is what I've been doing. This is what God's told me. And I just, I feel like we don't talk about just the practical steps of that hearing and believing and obeying on it because to be entirely honest, it's pretty simple. I mean, you want to hear from God, you got to spend time with him. You want to believe in what God's called you to do, you got to have people around you who are going to build you up and keep you where you're supposed to be. And if you want to be out there and you want to be serving, you want to be doing everything you can with your fullest potential, then right there, you got to be rested and ready to go. Now I'm going to close on a much more lighter note on it. Um, so that was, you know, uh, whenever I walked in this, uh, whenever I walked in this wonderful church, and uh, let's see, that was, uh, yeah, that was Christmas Eve Eve of 2021. I was sitting there and I was like, uh, there's, there's no way I could ever be up on that stage or even like sitting here singing this worship song out loud. And then the crazy thing is, is a year and some change later, I'm up here getting to speak to you guys. So those of you who are new, anything like that, you guys are next, I'm telling you. Thank you, I love you. Hey guys, so as I've already said, in case you forgot, my name is Ashley Casey. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'll tell you a couple facts, bless you. Um, I love the outdoors, I love pasta. I love long walks to the fridge, and I love volleyball. Anybody that knows me knows that I have played volleyball for 16 years and some change. I adore it, I will play it in the winter, I will play it in the summer, I will play it in icy conditions. I don't care, I will play volleyball anywhere. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Um, but, you know, volleyball is a very technical sport, and I've been playing it for a very long time. Well. My dad was my coach, and those of you that know what a PK is, pastor's kids, for those people like me who didn't learn until just this year, um, you've got PKs and you have CKs. CK does not mean Calvin Klein. It means coach's kid. And if you've been a coach's kid, you understand my pain, um, especially if you played for a club team and a school team. And so my dad taught me a really valuable lesson in playing volleyball. I could turn volleyball into ministry. Listen, guys. <laughs> and that lesson was I would go to my dad's practices, right? And I would take what I was learning in school. And it was below the level that my dad taught at because he has played for so long. And then he would get mad at me because I was playing below the level he taught me to play at. And then I would go into my school practices and my coach would get mad at me because I was playing a way that was too advanced for what she wanted to teach, right? And so I would go back and forth and I got stuck in this vicious cycle of constantly being in trouble with both coaches. And so my dad one day, instead of teaching me that he was mad at me, sat me down and told me, hey, you can't serve two coaches. You have to choose which coach you're gonna listen to and you're gonna have to stick with that playing style or it's gonna mess you up long term. And I would say the, true, the same is true in ministry is you can't serve two kings. And Matthew 6, 24 says it this way, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what kings are we serving above God in our lives? Are we married to work? I know that I've been married to work before. It is not a good relationship. I don't recommend it. 
Um, are we using our friends and family as an excuse? And that's one we don't think about a lot because we are supposed to spend time with friends and family. But there's a difference between a clique and an inner circle. A clique is exclusivity. It's gossip. An inner circle is the upper room. It's discipleship. It says, come follow me as I follow Jesus. Right? And so if we are making that king over God and we think we're discipling, we have to take that hard inner look and we have to see, hey, is this glorifying God? And so how do we fight against the kings that we're serving in our lives? Well, it says it this way in Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So how do we fight against it? Well, it goes on to say, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And as I was reading this, all I could think was the armor of God has no pants. It has no pants. And I know I should have been getting something deeper out of it, but that was all I could think of. And we have pants now, praise God. But later on, I got something deeper out of it, and it was that it takes time to put armor on. It just takes time. Everybody wants to speed up and get things done so quick, but it takes time. And firefighters, they have to put their armor on in 90 seconds, right? The fastest is 43 seconds, but they value that because it protects them. So they take time to put it on. And point two is we make time for what we value. So are we making time for God? And if we aren't, do we value him like we say we do? No one wants to hear that. I know it was very quiet when I said that. But scripture says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So there's no excuse that the word of God is not valuable because it's scriptural. And so if we believe the word of God, are we going to live that out? Are we going to make that time? Are we going to show God, hey, I value you. I want to spend time with you. You're important to me, and I love you, Lord. And so C.S. Lewis once said, obedience is the road to freedom. And if we want freedom, we have to take action. So point three is patience is a virtue, but obedience is a choice. If God tells me, hey, the enemy's coming for you on your left. I need you to move right. I'm going to move right. But me choosing to move right, that's an action. If God says walk left, I'm going to go left. But I have to take the action to move my legs to the left. So obedience While it does take time to do it sometimes, it's not that we're learning it, it's that we have to choose it. And so what in our lives are we not being obedient to God in? What are we not choosing? Because what we're not choosing to do for God, we're choosing a worldly way. And when you serve a worldly way versus the Lord's way, you're susceptible to burnout, depression, all these hard, painful things that the world will put on you. But when you live in God's way, you get abundant life, and he wants abundant life for you. So let's put on the armor of God. Let's make time for him 
and let's serve the one true king in our lives. Because when we do that, it's abundant life. an awkward pause here. I'm going to turn my computer on. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about living for the world versus living for God. There's a big difference between using the label of Christian above our heads to make ourselves look good and living the life that God intended for us to live to make God look good. As a little bit of my life story, um, I was teased for being the quiet kid in school. And people don't seem to like the quiet kid. They seem to write them off, and, like, it gets annoying. <laughs> but um, in high school, I became more insecure. And it came to a point where I con was constantly trying to find things to change about myself so that people would like me. But God has changed my life, and he has given me a purpose, and he has shown me, he has given a quiet girl a voice to be able to minister to you today. <laughs> And as he has given me a purpose, you also have a purpose. God has given you a purpose, but it is up to you to give up other people's expectations and live according to God's expectations. Romans 12.2 tells us, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12.2 tells us that rather than living according to the ways of the world, that we need to live out God's will. And it tells us how to do that. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This means that we need to change the way that we think. So we need to change our thoughts to God's thoughts. This requires us to get to know God more. So we need to be reading our Bibles. 2 Timothy 3.16, as she read, <laughs> All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Our main goal is to do the work that God has called us to do, but we can't do that without being taught, corrected, and trained to do it, which is what is said scripture is useful for. I have been guilty of not reading my Bible as much as I know I should be, I've gotten so caught up in doing that I forget that I need to be equipped to do good works. And it happens, but it is important that we don't make it okay, because once we make it okay, we lose sight of where to go and what to do. And that conviction that you feel when someone asks you how much you read your Bible, that conviction is there for a reason. So, how often are you reading your Bible? <laughs> Are you allowing God to teach you and correct you? I feel like we take living for God so vaguely. And I have two main ways, common ways, that maybe we don't even realize are ways that we aren't living for God. And the first one is coming to church on Sundays and going back out into the world the same way that you came in. Coming back, going back out into the world, deliberately committing the same sins after you have already come to church. <laughs> Hebrews 10.26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And second, you are not living for God if you are not a doer of the word. And I encourage you to read 20, verses 22 to 25, but James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
And to summarize verses 22 to 25, if you trust God, then you won't just try to look religious. You will receive the word, you will listen to it, and do what it says humbly. Cliff Jones talked a little bit about the fear of God last week, and I realized that this topic kept coming up. And I recently got the book called The Awe of God by John Bevere, which talks about the fear of God. And as he puts it, holy fear is not to be scared of God, it is to be terrified of being away from him. And as much as it's been said already, we need to love what God loves and we need to hate what God hates. So ask yourself, do I love everything that God loves? Do I hate everything that God hates? Do I hate sin or do I choose to sin because it seems more fun than living in the perfect will of God? The perfect will of God, which exceeds all of our expectations. This topic reminds me of the frequently told story of the Israelites, but this part specifically, when they had witnessed all that God had done for them, but still begged for a king. In 1 Samuel 8.19, it says, We want a king over us, then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go up before us and fight our battles. Not only did they forget what God had done for them, they were blindsided by what everyone else had, and they wanted it too, but didn't realize that the perfect king incomparable to all the other kings had already been delivering them from the battles. Are we doing the same thing? Are we forgetting that Jesus died on that cross for us and paid the price for all of our sins? Are we forgetting that God is above anything the world or other people could give us? Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. In this scripture, Paul is talking about the unfaithful act of distorting the word to please man. And this reveals the division that man distorts the truth and that God is truth. So why would we depend on the world to dictate us and not God? If we seek what the world wants of us and conform to the patterns of the world, then scripture says that we aren't even servants of Christ. We don't need to prove to others that we are enough. God has already chosen you for something different than what he has chosen for another, but with the same mission to be ambassadors of Christ. And we are all equally valuable. Uh, I still have 30 seconds. <laughs> um, okay, I'll just give you a little story. Um, when I was really quiet, um, I had been coming to this church my whole life. Um, I'm 19, by the way. Sorry if I don't look like it. Um, <laughs> my mom actually, I was talking to her about this yesterday, and she actually prayed for me to be tiny. So that's the explanation. But, um, oh, three seconds. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Okay, sorry. I don't have to... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have time to tell you the story. <laughs> good job, good job. All right. What's up, y'all? Like I said before, my name's Matt. I've been coming here for about eight years. Loved every minute of it. I love this church. I love this church. Uh, before I say anything else, though, I want to honor where honors do. I just want to honor our pastors. Thank you for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to speak in front of all you guys. So, uh, fair warning, I have a lot of scripture. But if we really open our hearts and we lean in, it, it can change our lives. It's changed mine. So, uh, we're going to be in Genesis 39:11 today, and a little backstory is uh, our boy Joseph. 
he's hanging out with Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife's trying to sleep with him day in and day out. And Joseph's like, no, it ain't happening, you know. So uh, we're going to be in verse 11. Let's just get into it. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought up to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard this story, his wife told him, he's saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Listen to this part. I love this part. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison ward. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So writing this message, I've learned three things I'm just going to share with you guys. And my first thought being, we have to stop having the I'll obey as long as I'm okay mindset. If we let how we feel dictate if we're obedient or how fast we're obedient, then we can never grow in our faith. Uh, man, I feel like I'm stepping on some people's shoes. I can feel it. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's multiple accounts of Joseph being obedient, even though he wasn't okay. Uh, his brother selling him into slavery, him being falsely accused of rape, and him being thrown into prison. But no matter what, he was still obedient to God. And we can learn a lot from that. So I love basketball. I've loved it ever since I was a kid. I've lo- I would have loved it more if the Suns would have won the championship, but Nathan's Nuggets won this year, which is, we're going to get them next year. Uh, but in high school, I, I made it an idol before God. Um, I, would, I would come to Sundays and Wednesdays, but if it cut into my basketball time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here because I, I, I made it an idol. So, but for me, it was basketball. But what is it for you guys? Is it your significant other? Is it your finances, your status? Or I didn't bring my cell phone up here, but some of it, some of y'all, it's your cell phone. But that's another message. Uh, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commands. So come on. God doesn't want partial obedience because he's not a partial God. He's, he's a full and overflowing God, and if we, need to, we need to give him our full and overflowing obedience. So what area of your life are you not obeying God in? Is it putting yourself, your pride above God? Is it worshiping an idol like I was? The good news is that you can lay it at the feet of Jesus today. 1 John 1, 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Uh, the second point I have is Joseph, or the result of obedience leads to God's favor. Joseph received uncommon divine favor because he was obedient to the Lord. And the thing about Joseph was he was obedient because he wanted to honor God. And I feel like a lot of us can learn from that because some of us were obedient because we want the favor of the Lord, not because we want to honor God. And the result of obedience leads to God's favor, but it's not a cause for it. So. Um, I can see this story work out in my personal life another time. About two years ago, I started to tithe consistently, and I was skeptical at first, but I knew I, knew I needed to honor God. And whenever I say that the blessing and the favor of the Lord has been on my life, it's changed my life. 
I've got all four years of my college paid for. I've got a great job at the Resource Center. Shout out John Wayne, Macy, and Jan. I love them. Um, and it's because of the favor of the Lord. It's changed my life. Um, Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So let's go back a few months. Um, whenever we wrote our visions list, raise your hand if you've had at least one thing marked off your vision list. Look around the room. Look around the room. I mean, come on, y'all. We're living testimonies. The favor of the Lord. Okay. <laughs> um, so the last thing we can learn from the story of Joseph is your obedience to the Lord affects more people than just you. Think about how many lives can be changed if we're obedient and we're intentional, just like Alex said, about being obedient daily. Families can be restored. Addictions can break. And generational curses can be broken. It all starts with you being obedient. So pretty much we see in the rest of the story, Joseph gets out of prison. Um, he starts interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh, and he saves millions of lives because he was obedient. So just think about how, like I said, think about how many lives we can be changed if we're obedient. He saved millions. Um, Romans 5.19 says, For just as though through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So on one side of the spectrum, we see Adam and Eve being disobedient, causing the fall of man. And then on the other side, we see Jesus being obedient to his Father, dying on the cross for us, and saving all of humanity. And if you don't think that obedience doesn't affect the people around you, just look at that verse. <laughs> just saying. So the two questions I'll leave you with today is, what area of your life is God asking you to be obedient that you said no to before? And what would happen if you said yes? Love you guys. See you later. Good morning. I first just want to say a huge thank you to our pastors, Pastor Darian and Miss Tyra, and then Pastor Taylor. Thank you for allowing us to be up here. And I could go on, but I only got seven minutes. So um, if you would, open your Bibles to Exodus 3, 9. And while you do that, I'm actually going to ask you to multitask and think back with me to around New Year's. And this is the time where everyone decides to change everything about themselves, right? We pick new habits. We set our alarm for 4.30 in the morning. We grab our half-read yearly Bible and determine this is the year that I'm going to read it right? And some of us, like our pastor, we get a word or a theme for the year from the Lord. I was talking to someone, and I was like kind of bent out of shape. I was like, Lord, what the heck? Like, I have never gotten a word. Like, what in the world? And I don't remember if it was a friend, the Holy Spirit, or literally common sense, but I get asked, Emmeline, have you ever asked the Lord for a word? Uh, no, I had not. So along with setting my alarm for an hour earlier, I actually asked God, what do you want me to focus on in 2023? But I got to paint the scene a little bit. I was still new to Oklahoma. I had just gotten engaged. I was job hunting. Like, I'm really just trying to figure out what life is going to look like. So I'm expecting God to say, peace, rest, like heavenly aroma, like something that would make kind of a cute tattoo. But no. <laughs> the Lord says, repent. God, repent? I am so sorry. Where did I mess up? Lord, I'm sorry I didn't pick up that piece of trash. I, I should have. Lord, I'm sorry I didn't turn that movie off. I didn't know they were going to say that. Like, Lord, and I just start going down this list of shame. And I'm like, what? And so I, again, don't know. It was probably the Holy Spirit or common sense. But I just get this, this unction to actually look up, repent. So as any wise, spirit-led woman of God does, I go straight to Google and type in repent definition. And Google defines repent as a feeling of deep regret and remorse. Great, I just did that, like okay. So I'm like, surely there's more. So I changed my search. 
what does the Bible say about repentance? Guys, repentance is a change of heart and mind that brings us closer to God. It's motivated by a love for God and a seared desire to obey his commandments. And actually, in Hebrew, Hebrew, the original biblical language, the word repentance is translated directly to the word teshuva. And shuva, the root of that word, actually means returning. So repentance and returning are intrinsically linked together. You can't repent without returning back to God, and you can't return back to God without repenting first. So what is, where are we going, right? Well, remember, we're multitasking. So hopefully you're in Exodus 3. And we're actually going to pick up on my pal Moses. Um, so he is an Israelite born. was actually adopted by Pharaoh. So the Israelites are actually in captivity. They've been enslaved for generations by the Egyptians. So some stuff goes down. Moses runs away. And now our story we're picking up, he is in uh, the field, and he sees this bush that is completely on fire but not burnt. So he's like, wow, super interesting. He goes over to it. Turns out it's actually the Spirit of God, and in verse 9, the Lord calls out to him, Look, the cry of my people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to set the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. Again, (laughs) this boy, he is not listening. But when we unpack this, no one's going to argue that God and Moses aren't having a conversation. Like God is clearly speaking to Moses, and Moses is very clearly hearing him. But he's protesting, so he's not really listening. And I wonder how many of us actually do this. How many of us walk around life like, I did this. I heard repent, and I heard shame. God said repent, and he meant freedom. Right? So how many of us, like, what what is God saying to you that you're not really listening to? In fact, this burning bush moment actually goes on until chapter 4, where Moses says no to God five times. Five times. What has the Lord been trying to say? What has he been repeating that, you're, that we're just not listening to? It's not that we're not hearing him. And I actually think that this, is, this leads us to this heart posture of, well, I'm not good enough. Right? Like Moses says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? In fact, later he even says, Lord, send anyone else. And so I started asking, like, God, why, why does it take so long for us to listen? And I felt him say that it's a lack of trust. Because a hesitancy in saying yes is because you don't trust him, right? And so in my Googling journey, I ask, how do you build trust? And there are five things that I believe if we do these five things, we will actually build a foundation of trust with our God. One, we need to honor the Lord. We need to put him in his rightful place as king over our lives. Two, we need to admit when we're wrong. We do need to repent. But it's not full of shame. It's full of freedom and life with the Lord. Three, we need to communicate. This is where we talk to God. This is where we hash things out. This is where we are in our Bible. This is where we we wait on him. We listen. We learn from him. We get to know our heavenly dad. Four, we need to be vulnerable. We need to let the Lord in. There are so many times where we just don't say anything because of shame and of fear, and that's dirty, and I can't take it to God. But those are the things that he wants. That's how we seek healing. And God can't heal it. If we pretend to hide it, because he already knows, he's just waiting for you to let go of that so he can do something with it. 
Five, we need to show him that we care. We need to be consistent in our walk with the Lord. The Bible says, persistently knock at his door so that he may answer. Are we knocking? Now, this isn't a shift that happens overnight. We're not going to go from this person to this person in hopefully you get eight hours, (laughs) right? But it is a 1% change every day. If we imagine if this church, us as a family, we link arms and take one step every day closer to God, imagine what we could do for the kingdom, for Mays County. Ultimately, Moses does go to Pharaoh, and everything the Lord says would happen, happens. Moses was safe. The people were set free. For me, it was hearing repent and no longer being in shame and bondage, but walking out in freedom and restoration. So what is God trying to say to you that you're not listening to? Thank you. You got a double buzzer. That was pretty cool. You got the harp and the buzzer. Wow. Kudos. All right. Well, guys, let's give it up one more time for all five of our communicators. You did great. Guys, you can leave. This is my time. I'm back, baby. Here we go. All right, I took some notes up here, and I think the most, most important one was that the armor of God has no pants. I wrote that one down. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Ashley, for that. I appreciated that note. I hadn't noticed that myself. Honestly, a little shocked. I guess I should read my Bible more. But anyways, they all had such phenomenal messages, focused on hearing, believing, and obeying, but, but in, different, in different ways. And so what, what is that in your life? What, what was that, that nugget that jumped out? Hopefully there was more than one that, that you, you felt God say that that was for you. That, that, that one, that thing they just said. And maybe you got distracted. You didn't even hear what the rest of their message was about. What was that moment? I encourage you that, that as, we, as we leave today that, that you, you, you take action, right? So many of them talked about it's, obedience is an action. If God says, like Ashley was saying, move to the right, and we don't move to the right, and then that thing in life mows us down, that's not God's fault. He told us to move. We chose not to. And so when we leave today, like, like Gracie was saying, we, when we leave today, we don't, don't just leave and say, oh, that was fun. Never heard that person talk before. And then we, we go on with our lives we, we go on and we, we take that action. We make that step and, we, and we, we make that change in our life to begin better hearing, believing, and obeying what the Lord's told us. And so let's pray. God, we just, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that, that, that your word is good. Your word is true. God, like they said today, that that. Man distorts truth while you define truth. God, that that what we heard today from your scripture, from your holy breathed messages, that was your truth. And God, I thank you that that as we go throughout our weeks, as we go throughout our years, God, that, that today is not just some fun moment that happened. It was not just, oh, that was different. That was nice, change of pace. God, that today was a moment that changed our paths. It corrected, it corrected something that, that we're missing in our lives. God, I thank you that, that, that you give us the strength, you give us the, the, the ability to be obedient, 
moving on and moving out of this place today, God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is, this is the part of service where we, where we talk about, discuss tithes and offerings. Honestly, Matt kind of did tithes and offerings already. Like he kind of talked about, if you, if you tuned out during that part, how he started tithing a couple years ago and then like his college is paid for and he's got this crazy cool new job. And like he's got all this stuff just lining up in his life that he can directly point back to when he started trusting God with his tithes. And, and you might say, oh, well, well I, I don't see that in the New Testament. False, it is in the New Testament. And actually, if you wanna push it a little further, in the New Testament, they gave a lot more than the tithe. Sorry, no, I don't wanna, I don't, I, uh, I'm sorry. I, sorry if I stepped on, stepped on your shoes, as Matt said. But uh, they gave a lot more than the tithe. And so um, today I just encourage you, talk to God. Like, like Emma pointed out, you, we have scripture that people talk to God and they hear from God. And so if, if tithing is from God, which it is, and you genuinely seek God in that, you'll hear what he has to say about tithing and what he says about giving. And so stand with me and we'll pray over our tithes and offerings. God, we thank you that, that what we, we receive from you, God, we give back just a little bit, God. We thank you that, that we give back a little bit and you magnify it, God. You multiply it. You do things we could never imagine getting done with our finances, God, when we, when we trust you with it, when we thank you for blessing us in the first place, God. We thank you for that and we believe that. In the name of Jesus, we say amen, amen. Thank you guys for coming today. Hope you have a great rest of your Sunday.